Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome back to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. You know, we're wrapping up 2014, and I'm really excited that I got to start the show this year. It sort of happened by accident. I was challenged to do a bunch of interviews by, I saw a speaker, and they were saying, if you want to improve, interview people who are doing interesting and cool things. And I was going to do these on my blog. I was going to interview people and write it up because I'm a writer, and that's something that I've always done. And then on a whim this summer, I kind of got the idea that maybe I could do this as a podcast. And of course, it's been high-ranked in iTunes. It's been a lot of fun. And as I've been telling people, the podcast has really turned into one of the best networking tools I've ever seen in my career. And I mean, I teach this stuff, right? I speak at conferences about how to get people more engaged and get the most out of the conference by connecting people. And yet this podcast has really proved to be amazing at allowing me to have contact with people in a lot of different ways, including getting to talk to people like our guest today, Steve Woods, who we have several mutual friends. Uh, he's worked with the publishing company that I'm involved with, New Year Publishing, and yet we've never talked before, and today we're going to have a great chat here on Cool Things. So before we get started, let's thank that sponsor, and the sponsor is New Year Publishing, the executive press division. The executive press division of New Year Publishing assists CEOs, entrepreneurs, and other executives in producing high-quality, industry-focused publications that enhance the brand of the author and the brand of the company. You can find out more information at newyearpublishing.com. So let's jump into our interview today. Steve Woods. Steve has had an amazing career as a technologist and an entrepreneur. He's the author of two books and currently serves as the co-founder and CTO of Nudge, a cloud platform that lets sales professionals send the right content to the right people at the right time, therefore improving their business relationships. He was also a co-founder and CTO of Eloqua, where he spent 13 years before that company sold to Oracle. So I'm really glad to have Steve on the show today. Steve, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks, Tom. It's great to be here and good to uh, good to start chatting. Well, you really have had an incredible career starting as a software engineer and working your way up to founding a couple of companies, one of which you sold to Oracle, and now you're on to your next venture and you, you keep looking for ways to do new things and improve the world for salespeople and, and the people who are your customers. So why don't you tell us just a little bit more about your journey? It's been a, an adventure for me the, the whole way. Um, the, the part that I really like is is looking at how businesses operate and how people interact and, and go about um, making decisions, especially the decisions in the buying process, uh, and then figuring out what can we do to make that better and, and more efficient and more comfortable for everyone involved? And both of the ventures that I founded have really had that same theme. Looking at Eloqua, we, we realized sort of 2000 timeframe that there was a, a significant move to getting the information you need in a buying process online. Um, all of that was, was starting to move from salespeople delivering glossy brochures to the, the things that we're all familiar with now in, in terms of uh, content marketing and search and all of the um, all of the content we find online. And, and so we started Eloqua, which really helped marketers understand how that was operating and which buyers were interested in which were not. Uh, and that, that was a fun journey, really seeing the, the change in the marketing industry from a very 
ad hoc, creative, almost cottage industry approach to what it is today, which is very disciplined, very data oriented, very scientific and analytical uh, based on, on the back of marketing automation systems. So, so that was a great journey and, and a lot of fun. But as, as we started to see a lot of that transformation happen, we realized that what was happening in the world of sales was fascinating. The, the idea that salespeople were conduits of information had always had, had disappeared. You know, you're not there to deliver brochures and tell people basic facts and figures. But what got highlighted in its absence was the the nature of trust, the the relationships that we have as individuals and as people and as business professionals knowing who you can trust and having those long relationships that span the boundaries of of personal and and business was critical in getting into deals and in asking for help and coaching within a deal and in, in getting somebody to um, help you get a deal across the finish line at, at uh, quarter to midnight on the last day of the quarter that that trust and human relationship element was was so critical in it, no matter what you did with information delivery, that was never going anywhere. Um, but yet it was it was really very much a, a, a non-assisted uh, aspect of the process. People either spent effort to build relationships or didn't, but when they spent effort, they were doing it on their on their own, you know, sort of trying to make it up as they go along and keeping spreadsheets of who to stay in touch with and um, what they were interested in and searching for news headlines to find common ground and connect with people and and restart a conversation that had died six months ago. And, and we looked at this and said, there's there's an opportunity to really help and find those opportunities to get those loose tie relationships back to the front burner again and restart a conversation. Um, this, this is possible with today's technology. It's going to be tricky and challenging, but it's, it's viable as an idea. So we dove back in with um, some new folks and some, uh, some familiar faces from the Eloqua team and, and tried to tackle that next element of, uh, of, of getting buyers and sellers together on the on the frontier of trust rather than the frontier of information this time. Well, you bring up a really interesting point because I started my career in the 90s as a sales guy, and that was exactly right. Everybody was kind of on their own. Some people embraced the idea of building long-term relationships. Some people were just transactional, and you were sort of up to the salesman how you did it. As long as you were successful, you know, the boss sort of stayed off your back. But what I found really interesting is when I when I speak, one of the things I talk about, and, and the younger generation looks at me like I'm from Mars, I actually remember the days when you'd go out on a sales call and you would bring like a cardboard folder and you'd have one sheets with your features and benefits. And <laughs> that was the first time, you know, the salespeople had all the power in being that conduit of information because Mr. Prospect or Ms. Prospect really didn't know what you were there to talk to them about. So you would hand them these one little, you know, these little uh, benefits sheets and these these features of what you were selling and if they got interested you would go deeper or you'd immediately bring out your next piece of paper and I talk now about how that has changed you know the internet's changed everything because before you walk in the door if you haven't already done the things you know like you're talking about to, to foster that relationship before you get there they've certainly gone to look you up on their own so they now control a lot of that information exactly yeah they, they're able to get the facts and figures but you still see a massive difference between um, what somebody can do if, if they have trust versus what somebody can do if, if they're walking in blind and haven't built that relationship and are just trying to, to hawk a product. 
trust is is the thing that makes a deal happen and it makes a deal larger and it, it makes an opportunity really something compelling rather than a, a price minimization play. <laughs> uh, so the, the folks that really focus in on on building and developing that that sacred quality of trust are the ones that are successful today and, and I think in the future even more so as the the old value proposition of sales continues to, to fall away. So what are some of the coolest things you're doing at Nudge? It's an interesting one in, in that there's there's really three elements to it in terms of understanding how to, to help people build a relationship. The, the first is understanding who the people are. So, so that's a, from a technology perspective, a big data play, pulling together all of the information that we can on who a person is and where they live and what they do and what role they're in and what organization, um, pulling together all of that information. The, the second is really trying to understand what's going on in the world and, and what might be interesting um, to that individual based on all of those facts stuff that's happening in the industry or in your hometown or um, for, for other people in, if you're in a marketing role, other people in a marketing role are finding this particular news interesting um, and, and matching those together to say, here's something that Tom might find interesting and is a great opportunity for you to start the conversation again with Tom. But the third piece that we're bringing into it, which is a really interesting one, is the psychology of what a relationship is. Um, you know, if, if, if we look at my opportunity to have a conversation with, with you, if we're old friends and we chat on a weekly basis, there's a certain set of things that I can do to forward that relationship. Um, you know, we might chat about you know, real-time current events and sports and what's going on in the here and now. Um, if it's been nine, 12 months and we're starting to lose touch, well, there's a different set of psychology that wraps around that relationship, different set of things that I can reach out to you about and say, hey, Tom, um, you know, it's been a while since we've chatted, but I know in our last conversation, you were deeply interested about X and Y, and I just saw this really interesting um, article about the future of that. Um, wanted to make sure you saw it. Hope you're doing well. Um, and, and if it's gone even further, you know, if, if we've really lost touch, and I don't even know that you're going to remember who I am, there's, there's an even broader set of topics, sorry, a looser set of topics that I can use to, to get back in touch with you and sort of reinvigorate that relationship. So trying to tease out the psychology of what a human relationship is and then layer it on top of the data on, on people and happenings is, is a really interesting technology, psychology, business challenge that's keeping us pretty fascinated on a, on a daily basis trying to, to wrestle that one down. So are you having fun doing it again, going back to, to the starting starting blocks and, and firing the gun and, and running with a new company? Yeah, I, I, I am. Um, this is this is the part that I love. Um, as Eloqua grew, you know, the pieces that I gravitated to were always this, the, the new concept, something that may be possible, might not, getting it off the ground and, and trying to go from from zero to something. Um, it's it's fun the second time around. Um, not that it's easier or that the pressure's less. I, I'd say those are still very real. It's still very, very hard and the pressure is still very intense. But I think the second time around, you know 
what not to panic about as much. Um, you, you don't you don't start battles before it makes sense to start those battles. Um, and I think the stress is maybe a little bit less. You can pull together a team um, and 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 a group of supporters a little bit easier than you could as a you know an early twenties kid with. Uh, um, with, with no history to, to speak from. Um, so it's, it's fun. It's, it's the part that I like and, uh, a very interesting challenge to, to go about tackling. So what led you to start your own business? You started your career working for other companies and all of a sudden you, as a young kid decided, let's go build this. What, what caused you to make that leap? I I think it's a lot more spontaneous than, um, than, than, than you'd want it to be. Um, it it was, you know, the, the first time with Eloqua, it was the late 1999 kind of time frame, um, and, and if you remember back then, you know companies were popping up every 30 seconds. It was the thing <laughs> that everyone did, um, and and so we just sort of jumped in one day, and it kind of built its own momentum from there. And and by March, the economy tanked, and that backdoor option of you can always just go back to your day job evaporated overnight and then suddenly, okay, well, um, if, if I want to be able to, uh, to buy food, I'd better make this entrepreneurial thing successful. So it, it kind of became this accident that turned into, um, a, a lack of optionality in those dark days of 2000, which turned into something I realized I had a, a huge passion for. So what do you love about the lifestyle of being, being one of the founders? I, I, I like the reality of the, the metrics. There's nothing arbitrary where you don't really agree with the metrics that are being put on your role, or you don't think that they're fair. Um, the the metrics of entrepreneurial success are: Can you build a product that people like? Can you get them to pay you for it? Um, can you keep a team motivated and happy and, and productive? And then can you? repeat and do that at scale. Um, it's a very fair set of metrics um, that, that you're almost uniquely in control of as the, as the founder. Um, and, and, and when I say fair, it's, I think it's interesting that the metrics themselves are fair, but that doesn't make the universe fair. You know, it might take, you might look at a project and say, okay, we've got this much to build and we've got this many people building it. So, you know, it's only reasonable to think that it's going to take this many months. Well, if a competitor is going to deliver it in three weeks, that's not fair from a market standpoint, but you still have to deliver at the same time frame or face the market consequences of being late to the, uh, late to the market. So it's, it's, a, it's a beautifully clear environment to navigate in as a business professional. You, you are your own master um, and, and the metrics upon you are are abundantly clear and fairly structured and completely unfair from a, um, a, a time in the day and chance of accomplishing something perspective. But that, that's what makes it exciting. And that's that's actually a great answer and very interesting because I'm a sole opener, right? I work for myself. I do a lot of work as a keynote speaker and a master of ceremonies for like tech company users groups and, and other types of events like that. But at the end of the day, it's the exact same thing, even though I don't have a product to get out or employees to deal with, is the metrics are, I need to make this happen. And it's not fair or unfair. It's 
you know, if I want to succeed, if the kids want, you know, to eat and go to college and things like that, I have to be producing. I have to be out there doing it. And that's actually one of the things I like about the job now that I've been a solopreneur for, gosh, five and a half years is I like the fact that it's me who, you know, brings home the bacon. Yeah, it's 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 very real. There's no it it, it can be brutally difficult, but success and failure is, is only governed by the, the winds and the sea. It's, it's nothing else. <laughs> it is hard and it can be difficult, but it, you're right. It is, it is what it is and it is fun. So I've, since I started the show, I began talking to a lot of people who were like me. I think that's what you know a lot of people do when they begin an interview show is they turn to their friends and the people they know. So a lot of the people I've interviewed have been consultants and speakers and authors and solopreneurs. You know, you're someone who has started you know, and grew a very large company with a lot of employees and then sold it to Oracle and spent some time then inside Oracle. So what would advice would you give to somebody who's out there who maybe has that desire to not be a solopreneur, but to go and start something that they're going to grow and, and sell to a large company or take public? You know, what advice would you have to that first time entrepreneur? You know, it, it's, it's an interesting one um, in that I, I think there's this interesting balance between the, the mantras of do what you love and are passionate about um, and solve a big problem that people are willing to pay you for. Um, I don't think you can really lean too much on any one mantra. Um, if, if you're not doing something that you're finding deeply interesting and deeply satisfying and enjoy obsessing about morning, noon, and night you're unlikely to succeed because it, that's what it takes to overcome the unfairness of the markets that you're going to be going up against. Um, so, so you need to have something that you you are deeply passionate about um, and, and deeply interested in in order to, to sustain you. But at the same time, I, I think you need to tackle a problem that is is realistic and is, is profitable um, something that people are willing to pay to see solved. If you have both of those, then I don't think there's any better time than, than today to jump in and start tackling it uh, because the, the chances are your downside risk is going to end up very low. Like you might fail as a, as a business, but the, the skill demand out there is more and more for people who are willing to tackle new things and make something happen, um, even within our large organizations. So you're, you're actually increasing your resume's hireability in a large organization if you take an entrepreneurial venture and drive it into the wall, um, as long as you did a very good job of trying. Um, so, so I think if, if it's something that you're passionate about, I would encourage almost anyone to do it um, just as, a, as an experience. If it's not something you're passionate about and, and you just think that it's the shortcut to riches, um, you're in for a very painful road to um, to, to learn that that's <laughs> unlikely to be the case. Well, so you bring up the fact that there is sort of nowadays that that need for people who are willing to take the risk and tackle new ways and go out and make things happen. You know, one of the things I've known just from having mutual friends and having observed you over the years, you definitely are somebody who gets sort of the new way business is done. You realize that it's not sort of this structured hierarchy. You know, what are some of the things, like one of the things you did as an entrepreneur is you wrote a couple of books that promoted your brand and the brand of, of your company. What are some of the things like your books or other things that you do or you see other people do that's sort of the new way of doing business? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think the economy is really shifting to one where 
what people are looking for is a creative edge, something that is going to move their business forward in a very interesting way and has not been done and has not been tried before. Uh, because we, we've got so good as a, as a society at taking an existing idea and refining it and taking the cost out of it and making it um, mass scalable that people are, are, are very quickly looking for the, the next new thing. So you end up with, with business that um, from a team standpoint, you need speed, you need creativity um, and, and you need um, innovation in the truest sense. So you end up having to staff an organization, not with, not with a large number of people that can crank away on predictable projects, but with a small number of very, very smart people. Um, if, if you look at the nudge team, for example, we're, we often get um, described as quite top heavy because we've got a lot of very, very senior folks who are just passionate about building um, and, and very smart and can run with a project and do very innovative things on each individual chunk of the project. And then you look at how businesses get themselves out to market and rather than buying your way towards attention with massive marketing budgets and, and you know, blanketing the major news, uh, newspapers and TV stations with, with advertising, you've got to find a way to insert the idea into people's consciousness um, create creatively. And that's really where with, with Eloqua, we, we did that with the book where we um, had a concept, marketing automation, that was coming into its own. And the early adopters had seen tremendous success out of it. But later adopters would kind of look at it and, and really had no idea what to make of this this thing that was marketing automation. So we had to tell the story in a unique way and, and give ourselves a platform to, to get that concept out there so that the conversations could start happening without us. And, and a book was the way that we, we did it. Um, I think fair, fair disclosure should say that it worked with New Year Publishing, which is a sponsor of the show, um, although unrelated to, 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 to this at all. Um, and, and that platform to take an idea and get it out to a market in a non-pitchy, non-salesy way turned out to be a very good way of taking a, a modern business of today and um, getting the awareness out with, with essentially you know, minimal cost, you know, combination of um, uh, uh, quite a bit of travel to, uh, to get out there on the speaking circuit and, and uh, speak at conferences about the book and then a little bit of a um, little bit of effort just just directly around the publishing of it. But the cost compared to classic advertising was so small, but it was the idea itself that managed to give it give it the uh, the legs to, to start getting that message out to the market. Sure. And, you know, you, you bring up going out and speaking as, you know, one of the founders of the company and someone who wrote the book, you know, I, as a professional speaker, you know, I often share the stage with CEOs or other executives who get out and are speaking at conferences. And what's amazing to me is how many people tell me, oh, I don't ever do that. And it's like, why? They just got in front of 2000 key people in your industry spoke for an hour about a thought, an idea, you know, a pontification of something that they're doing that's unique and that's cool. And everybody in the audience sees them as the expert. So, you know, your, your book and, and thus all of the speaking you did around it, you know, just helps elevate that entrepreneur, you know, to that level of, of industry leader. Do you agree? I, I do. And, and I think 
The difference really is that both platforms, you know, the, the speech where you've got a chunk of time and people have, have committed to giving you at least a chance at their attention for a big chunk of time, and a book where you have a, a, a lot more words to, to work with gives you a chance to tell a broader story. You, you can start with human nature. You can start with business today and you can guide people through an evolution and a process to say, look, here's, here's what you're familiar with. And here are some of the macro trends that are affecting it. And here's where business is going to be in, in five years and in 10 years. Are you ready for that? And, and I think unless you have one of those platforms like speaking or a book that gives you that chance to guide people through a longer thinking process, you, you can't really get them to, to re-envision how the world might be. Um, so, so you end up saying, hey, we've got a product and here's what it does, which, you know, there's a lot of ads that really go down that path, but I don't think anyone would, would call that a very effective path at changing people's hearts and minds. So, Steve, we could talk about you and all the really cool things you've done in your career for hours, but we only have a half-hour show. So one of my favorite things I ask every guest is, what is some, someone or something you see out there that's really cool? Something someone else is doing, not you, not Nudge, but that you say, wow, they're really killing it. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, I think the thing that I find most interesting today, and I'll focus on a, on a couple of people for that rather than any, any one individual, this... This spirit in entrepreneurs at, you know, having a success usually um, and then saying what I'm going to do next is one part because it's an interesting business and one part because the world needs somebody to take a swing at this, Um, whether it's, you know, Elon Musk and and his various ventures um, trying to change the way we think about um, power consumption or, or being a single planet species, you know, whether it's, um, whether it's, uh, I think Sean Parker really investing in trying to tackle allergies, whether it's Bill Gates saying I can apply my, my thinking and my business creativity to tackling diseases in, in, in the third world. You've, you've got people who have the, the, the energy and the brains and the smarts to do amazing entrepreneurial things, but taking a step back and saying, okay, what, what does the world need more so than what do I need as a, um, as an entrepreneur? And and I love that trend, um, in, in sort of multi-time successful entrepreneurs to say next up, it's a world problem rather than purely a business problem. I I think there's very few trends that I'd say that, that have as much ability to, impact the future of of the world and the planet and, and humanity than, than that trend of of applying not just cash but true business creativity to a to a real problem in the world well and i really believe that the best entrepreneurs are observers so it would only make sense that these you know highly successful men and women find ways to observe world issues and world problems and then take their skill set and and go and tackle that so steve what do you do to give back to the greater good you know, I, I after after keying up folks like that, I I, I certainly can't uh, <laughs> I can't yeah, how, insert myself Steve, into Steve, that category. Steve, how do how do we compare you to Elon Musk? <laughs> <laughs> Very poorly, unfortunately. Um, I, I aspire to be. You know what? I I um, 
I, I have many years left in me. So um, I'm really hoping that I can table that question for another couple of decades and come back with a much better answer, um, <laughs> if, if that's fair. Um, I, I think, you know, looking at Nudge, it's a very interesting venture, but, but it is very much a commercial venture. Um, I, I don't think I've, I've taken that step yet, yet to be uh, an Elon Musk or a Bill Gates and, and tackle a, a fundamental world problem. I, I'm inspired by it. Um, I hope to do that. Um, and, and hey, maybe one day I, I can get myself into that rarefied group of people who, who have had that level of passion and success on, on the world stage. But uh, today I would compare poorly with that company. <laughs> well, something tells me that you will do something and it probably will be very moving because you really have had a great career. If you look at, you know, starting your business when you did in 99 and then what followed and then the way you grew it. And, and then, of course, going through the, the second recession that we had and, you know, now starting again, I, I, I'd put my money on, on huge success to come for Steve Woods. Well, thanks. I, I, I appreciate that, Tom. So, Steve, if someone listened to the show and they said, I need to know more about what Nudge is doing, or they think, I got to know more about this Steve Woods guy, how do they find you? Sure. So so we're uh, at www.neednudge, N-E-E-D-N-U-D-G-E, neednudge.com. Um, and uh, we're, we're out there talking about the the challenges of networking and um, all sorts of concepts around that. And uh We've got a, a product that's going to be coming onto the market very, very soon. And, and definitely anyone is welcome to, to jump on the list for that. And hopefully we'll get you set up with the product very soon. And we'd love to, love to have you on the platform. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. You certainly live up to the title with all the cool things that you do. And I really appreciate you sharing with everybody. This, this whole show has been uh, one of the best ones I think that we've done. And I think that the podcast itself has a lot of potential, you know, to keep getting better in the new year. So I will keep inviting fabulous guests like Steve Woods to come and, and chat with us and share some interesting ideas. For those of you who tune in and listen, thank you very much for your part of being here in this show. I'm having a great time interviewing people, but what I like the best of being the host of this show is the amount of tweets and emails that I get from people who say, hey, I really liked that episode that you did with Brian Manel, or that episode with Jessica Pettit where she talks about sitting in traffic and seeing a sign for the National Speakers Association and gets off at the next exit and drives around and says, tell me what this is, and then transforms her career into becoming a professional speaker. When we, when we get these stories from these types of entrepreneurs, everybody gets inspired. So thank you for tuning in, and in a couple days, we'll be back with a new episode. In the meantime, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at @TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.